Hello there, this is Lisa Borders, and on this podcast, I'll connect with people from all walks of life. We'll talk about overcoming adversity, transmuting the shadow, and moments of illumination. We'll explore what it means to fulfill our potential while maintaining our most authentic selves. And we'll reflect on the lessons we're learning all along the way. If you feel inspired by what you hear, subscribe wherever you're listening, leave a five-star review, share it with a friend, and join the community at lisaborders.us. Thank you for joining me, and this is Enlightened. Hey, Pau Gasol, it's so great to be here with you. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have the conversation. I look forward to it. Absolutely. This is going to be fabulous. And you and I talk a lot. We met through a friend, a professor at Duke University, but we've had the opportunity to really develop our own relationship. So I am so grateful to be able to talk with you a little bit more, not only about your career, but about your family and about your life and perhaps your enlightened experience on the podcast. So can we start with where you're from Spain? So you're from Europe and you have played and play in the dub in the, not the WNBA, my goodness, the NBA. But let's start with family and how this all started. And I recently read that both your parents played basketball. Is that where you developed the interest? Is that where you developed the love for the game? Yes. So both of my parents played. I didn't see my mom play because she basically had to give it up after she had me. And she was also finishing up her medical school studies. So she had me uh, on, on her last year of her career as a medical student. But I saw pictures. I saw pictures of my mom on, on her basketball team. And then when I was little, when I was a little kid, we would go and, and watch my dad play on the weekends. So he was playing a veterans team in a club and, and we would go and, and watch him play. And so, oh, look, my, my dad plays. And he was as a kid, as a boy, that's your figure. That's who you want to become. That's who you look up to. And, you know, how I started and how I started picking up a basketball and developed a, a huge interest for basketball. And then later on, I found out that I was enjoying it. I wasn't really good at it <laughs> at first, but I just had fun. I just had fun. And, and it's important that my parents played because they've always been a reference and, and they provided so much in my life to be the, the person that I am today. That's fantastic. Do you know what made your dad want to play? Obviously, he was 6'3", so he was a tall man. He was mm-hmm. gifted with the the talent, but also the height. And your mom was tall. But do you know, tell us how they met and were they playing basketball in school? How did that all happen? I think they met through common friends. They were the tall person on their groups. And it's like, hey, I have a tall friend that you might want to meet. Their common friends kind of introduced them. I guess being tall sometimes can be challenging in certain ways. And back in the day, the generations before us were not as tall as, as the ones now. So they were pretty tall at the time. And they just got introduced just by being the tall people in their group or the tall person in their group. And they, they connected, they started hanging out and love happened. Oh, that's so sweet. I love that story. I love that story. So you played in Spain. Mm-hmm. How did you decide you would like to come to the U.S. or that you'd like to try out for the NBA? We all saw you get drafted in 2001, first round, third pick. And so you became an NBA 
professional in 2002 officially, but how did you make that decision and what drove your decision? Playing in the NBA was a dream for, for me. I remember growing up as a kid and having all these superstars hung up on my wall with all kinds of posters of players that I ended up playing against for the most part. And that was what I dreamt as a kid. I wanted to be a professional basketball player. And the NBA was like a different universe, was like somewhere that not many people could play. Definitely, there was only one Spaniard before me that played in the NBA. So it was something quite, seemed like unattainable at the time, much more uncommon than it is today for many international kids that that play basketball that probably see it more as a viable and realistic option. For me, it was like, wow, this is like a different galaxy that one day I think that I can play. I could play with Michael Jordan. I could play with those incredible players. And I remember having dreams and I had professors at school, early high school, where I say, yeah, you used to say that you would play one day in the NBA. I used to have certain confidence swagger at the time that I would share it. Uh, So you had this vision that you would be on a professional team in the U.S.? How amazing is that? That's pretty amazing. I guess that's part of it. Have that vision. You have to have that dream uh, that you work for, that you pursue, that you just live for. And my dream came true. In 2001, I was not expected to be selected that high in the draft. I had one year contract left with FC Barcelona. I just had a breakout type of year with FC Barcelona. And I guess the interest obviously was big. And they took a gamble me because at the time I was the top or the highest European player ever picked. And I was, again, not expecting it. I was hoping to play my my year that I had left because I was pretty skinny when I came in the league. I felt like I wasn't quite ready. But once I was given the opportunity, it was like, hey, it's happening right here, right now. <laughs> Let's right? go. Let's go get it. Let's, let's do it. I remember all everyone was like doubting. I was like, oh, he's going too soon. He's going to come back next year. He's not ready. You'll see. And that just fueled me. That just fueled me to prove him wrong, to... You know what? I had my family's support. My family ended up coming to Memphis with me, my parents, my brothers, which made a huge difference because no matter what happened on the court and an unknown world for me and my family, we stuck together and I could always come back home and have a family meal and hang out with my loved ones. So that was a step for me. Support system surely are important, but I want to focus for just a second on the naysayers, the doubters, the haters. And these are people, if I recall from when I had the privilege of leading the WNBA, there were always people who said you couldn't do it, but they didn't know me just like they didn't know you. They know what they saw on a tape or they saw us. Did any of those people ever talk to you or did they just talk about you? Most talked about me. Most was the media, and that's what you hear more, right? Not many people talk to me directly because at the end of the day, something historical kind of happened, magical happened in my life. I went to New York with with my parents. I'd only owned one suit at the time. Oh, wow. So we ended up having to go to Rochester, big and tall, to find <laughs> a, a new suit for the ceremony. Well, and, you're only seven feet tall, dude. Yeah, seven exactly, one. Exactly. With a seven six wingspan. And yes. All my clothes have to be custom made for me, which has been inconvenient. But luckily enough, because of my profession, I've been able to afford it. It was quite an adventure, quite a magical moment. At the end of the day, I was fulfilling my dream. I had my family with me. It was a magical moment. Yes, it came a little sooner than I expected. 
There's certain things in life that you can't plan and you just got to go for it. And I went all in and magical first year, uh, winning the first the rookie of the year that time, that year, which was also never done by a non-American player or European player. And so again, it was pretty, pretty exciting stuff. Listen, you talk about that. It was nothing. Oh, I got rookie of the year. Dude, first of all, rookie of the year period is like off the chart crazy. But the first year appearing to do it. And if I remember correctly, you still hold the title for the most free throws attempted and made in Memphis. That's that's a crazy stack, but it still stands, which tells you what kind of amazing thing you were doing. So listen, you come to the U.S., you get drafted first round. You end up at Memphis, you bring your family. Are your parents like, what is happening right now? Are your parents like, geez, oh, Pete, what's the deal? Yeah, they were shocked just as I was, but, but they were our anchor. They had to keep it together uh, and they had to make certain decisions. They put their careers on the side for the time being to support me on my adventure and also bring in my two brothers, Mark and Adria, to Memphis. And they didn't speak English, they struggled at first and Mark left FC Barcelona at a, playing at a high level to play for a private school in Memphis that basketball wise wasn't so good and he ended up leaving two years after to go back to Europe and and get himself and get ready and create his own path and look where he ended up in the incredible sure. career that he's, that he's had. So again my parents made some incredible decisions that really showed so much and inspired me. I didn't want to let them down because they were making sacrifices for for me and our family. Yeah. So you made so many sacrifices yourself too. Can you talk about how you prepare yourself mentally at that time? And maybe you're still doing this today. I know there's always physical preparation for an athlete. So talk about that a little bit too, but can you talk about the mental piece of this? Because in today's environment where we have some folks who have said athletes should just stick to their sport which is ridiculous. The whole shut up and dribble. It's okay. I'm not just an executive at a company and neither are they. And they're allowed to weigh in on everything known to man. So can you tell me a little bit about how you prepared to go Memphis? You're a baby. This is 2002, right? Or 2001 when it started and into 2002, but you go win rookie of the year. How the heck did you do that? Again, thanks to, to my parents' education, Thanks uh, to the foundation that they provided me. Thanks, again, the education that I received at, at school and my and through my family, just providing me with the grounds that I needed in order to be appreciative, to be humble enough, but to be confident at the same time, to keep things in perspective and see how, how lucky I was, uh, how fortunate I was to be fulfilling my dream, to, to be playing in the best league in the world with some of the best athletes in the world. And to have that opportunity, I just seized it. I always kept uh, inside what was important, uh, which was my my family, my loved ones. But I never thought that I was better than anyone else once I stepped off the court. When you step on the court, you got to have a certain level of conviction and determination to perform and, and do well. But at the same time, once once you're off the court, then you got to be in touch with yourself, with the world, be appreciative, be humble, be thankful. And that's kind of how I always came from my family, came from my parents, from respecting everyone, for being tolerant, for being appreciative, for finishing your plate and your meal, for making your own bed. Just the little things when you grow up that have a lasting impact and just 
because and that's kind of how we'll, how it had and what made us the people who that we are. So it sounds like mom and dad, not only did they like shape you from your formative years, it sounds like that theme has been pulled all the way through to adult life. All the lessons that they laid down and the things that they told you were important has really helped you endure through everything you've been through, the positive and the not so positive. Let's talk about an even equally, if not more positive pivot in your life from Memphis to LA, one of the most storied franchises in the NBA and damn back-to-back championships in 2009 and 2010. Dude, talk about that LA experience and playing with our boy, Kobe. Talk about that a little bit. Obviously, needless to say that my life changed in that moment and my career took an incredible turn for the better because I was in a position where I played for Memphis six and a half years. I tried my best. I grew as a player, but the franchise seemed to be in constant rebuilding. And at the time, Michael Heisley, the, the owner, was trying to sell the team. So he wasn't trying to, to get better. He wasn't trying to be competitive. He just wanted to sell the team to the highest bidder or, or to the right owner. And, and I was stuck in that moment where I needed more. I needed different. And the moment that I did least expected it, they, they called me up at the office and the GM tells me that I've been traded, which at first I took like, what? Are you, are you trading me kind of thing. And wait, they didn't talk to you about it before. They did this and yeah, they didn't, it they moved didn't. like a chess piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't talk to me about it before. We talked more about it the year prior, the previous season, where there was more active conversations about it, but the trade didn't happen. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be here for, for a long time. And I'm, and I'm fine with it. I love Memphis. I love the community. We built it as a team. And I spent a significant time with my family there. You know, I felt part of it. Then to get that, the news, it was bittersweet, where I can't believe this is happening. You find a little bit of giving up on me. But then I moved on from that second part of what it implied is like, okay, you go into the Lakers, you're going to play with one of the best players in the history with Kobe, with probably the best coach ever and Phil Jackson and with an incredible team. And now you have a chance, the chance that you've been waiting for to win. And it was just perfect timing, perfect fit. I was rejuvenated and man, I seized it. I was like, this is it. I'm going to give it everything I have. And, and we played three straight finals. We won two championships, learned so much, grew so much. So happy and thankful that I've been able to, that I was able to play with Kobe and, and the rest of the guys, Derek, Lamar, Andrew, so many great players. And obviously Phil Jackson being a big influence in my career, in my life as well. He introduced me to meditation. Oh, and, really? Yeah, Back then meditation. you were doing meditation. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Meditation, mental health. It was the first team that we got exposed to a sports psychologist uh, to deal with the pressures and the scrutiny that come uh, by playing in the NBA and uh, I think any team, but in LA it's enhanced, right? Like New York, wow. it's, it's, a, it's a different level. Right. And uh, we were lucky that we did so well. We were good that we did so well for, for, for three years, but then when things didn't go so well and we lost and stuff, things got challenging and it was the, the media attention and the amount of media following us, they had to write stories, good or bad. It was important to 
to be exposed to to Phil and his his philosophy and his Zen mentality, and he had a big influence. And I've been meditating since that point on, and it's been a big part. And my reading also took off and increased. Now I I give books and I share books with others because. Phil was the first coach also that, that shared books and gave uh, me books as a player. And then Popovich also did it when I went to San Antonio. So I think those are very important factors. And now I like giving books to, to people so they can also learn and enjoy reading. That's absolutely fabulous. We all have seen Phil Jackson. We've seen you play. We've seen you win championships. We've seen Phil coach. I don't remember reading that he was the Zen guy that helped with the mental. That's getting Mm. so much focus today, Mm. but not only the mental health, but it sounds like he wanted you guys to be expansive, giving books Mm. and helping you learn, which is something that most people, they have perceptions about athletes that you guys don't read. You're just good with your hands or your feet. So wonderful to get that affirmation. Not only is it not true, here is real evidence that says, we made an effort to, of course, learn our craft and be really great basketball players, but we are people beyond that. Can you talk about your relationship with Kobe a little bit? We all miss him terribly. His spirit, of course, is with us. But the way he talked about working out and his competitiveness and just the sheer will of his personality, can you talk about your relationship a little bit and what kind of influence that was for you as a first as a person, but also as his teammate? He had an incomparable drive. His work ethic was off the charts, nothing that I've seen. And I've only heard of it through Michael Jordan, which was his, that was the guy that he learned from, that he studied, that he wanted to beat and be better than. So it was just someone that really inspired me to be better on the court and off the court as well as I'd gotten to know him. But he was so determined uh, on being the best player every single day, every single time he stepped on the court. That's what you saw. That's what he wanted you to see. So he pushed me just like he pushed everyone else because he wanted to win ultimately. You right, know, Mike, right. Michael got six rings. He wanted to have six or seven rings. <laughs> he wanted seven. I remember yeah, he that. Wanted he, wanted seven. Seven. he wanted seven. He wanted seven. He wanted seven. To get to seven, you got to get six. So I'm glad I, I contributed for him to get the, the fourth and fifth rings. And and when I got there, because when I joined the team, there were the Lakers were six in the conference. We ended up first in the conference, and he got his first MVP or his only MVP of the season. Uh, so I'm I'm glad I was able to contribute to that as well. But he contributed so much to my life and my career. He pushed me to be better. He motivated me to work harder. And once you knew where he was coming from, he just wanted to win. He wanted to be the best team. And for that, you had to pay attention to detail, to get on each other, to hold everyone accountable, to be aggressive in every practice physically, because everyone had to bring their A game. It didn't just work with him scoring 30 plus points. Everyone had to step up and fulfill their role and play to the best of their ability. Uh, And he did his part. He did it and he tried to bring that and he brought that out of me. I think the first, I remember when I joined the team in Washington, D.C. after getting through the physicals and stuff and he was texting me and said, hey, let me know when you get here. I'd like to talk to you. I'm like, okay, sure. Uh, But but I'll be getting there past midnight. You have a game game at noon. (laughs) I'm like, no, don't worry about it. I'll be awake. Just let me know. I'm like, wow. Okay. 
Okay. All right. I'll text him. It's 1230. First, I got to do media when I get to the Ritz-Carlton uh, in Washington. And then I'm, I finally get to my room. And it might be 1 a.m. or something. And I say, hey, I'm in my room. And so he come, which, what's your room? And he comes in. And say, hey, welcome. I'm very excited that you're here. But now let's go win a championship. Oh, my God. Like, he laid it down right there. Right, right what, there. what, one o'clock in the morning. He's yeah, welcome and let's go get it. Well, yeah, let's go get it. Let's not waste no time. We're in a mission. Wow. I'm very excited. This is, this is, he recognized that was, this is the move. That is, this is a chance for you and me. So I want you to know where I am. Wow. And I want you to be on that same page. And he got me hooked and I wanted to win. But to hear it from him. He, for him to make the effort to say, you know what? I don't care what time you get in here. I'm coming to your room and I'm going to tell you what's up. All right. Wow. So, wow. Uh, so he, I was in, I was on board and I was like, he say no more. I'm in. Uh, well, he was special in so many ways. And I think we all certainly salute the work that he did on the court. Nobody can argue with the results that he delivered, but the really human side of him, we hear a lot about the competitive side and the wins and the championships, but the notion of even welcoming you at one o'clock in the morning and saying, and this is where I am and come join me. This is, we're going to go get it. It's so special. That's yeah. amazing on so many levels. Talk a little bit about the Olympics and you played for the Spanish national team and you were delivering over there too. So did the NBA stuff translate to the national team or did you learn stuff in both places and were able to use it? Oftentimes when in business, when we move from one setting to another, some skills translate and others don't. And I know sometimes there are different rules in the European mm. markets as opposed to the U.S. So talk a little bit about the Olympic medals and how you got the two silvers, a bronze. Yep. Damn, like it just doesn't stop. Yeah, thank you. I, I take pride in my, my international career and everything that I've done with and for my country. Kobe knew that, how much it meant to me. And you could always see, there was always an argument where you could always see a different power with this national team more passion, more pride, uh, a different level that maybe I wasn't able to give all the time in the NBA. That's uh, the home team. Right? It's my home country. It's right. My home, it's my home country. It's something that, I, again, that you prepare for a month, you do a training camp for a month, and you play a championship for two to three weeks. Wow. And you go, and you go all out. And you go be play a group usually, and then you go to a single elimination game, and then you play for medals. You have a, your whole country is watching you, and there are Olympics, obviously, which is the most, usually the one that gets the most attention and recognition, but there's also world championships, and there's European championships. And I've been, been able to win three European championships and a world championship with, with Spain, and along those Olympic medals uh, that we always felt a little short against the USA team that beat us all those three those three times when we faced them. But I remember being really close and having a hell of a battle with, with those teams that were like super talented. One of those moments in my life that really inspired me and something that we've talked at times, the kind of the game-changing moment, it's when the dream team of 92. Yeah. Came. I was 12 years old. These superstars come. It's the first time that the USA team has pro, uh, all pros, except Christian Lehner, who was about to be pro uh, the next year. <laughs> He's a dookie. I have to claim. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and, 
And so they come to Barcelona, this, you know, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Scotty Peepin, Charles Barkley, Karl Malone, David Robinson, I mean, you go on and on down the list, John Stockton, it's just incredible lineup of players that I admired and that the world admired, but they inspired so many teenagers around the world to play basketball the way they played, the way they kicked butt <laughs> in every game they played. It was just domination. It's like, wow, this is it. That's the highest level. I want to be that. So they gave, I think, a lot of players, a lot of kids, the vision, something that, that wasn't there. And that's what international basketball does. I think those competitions, those games against other countries, they inspire children, young children that you don't even know you're impacting. I was definitely impacted by that game and by that tournament in my home city. And that made me dream uh, and want to become an NBA player one day. And look at that, I played it in the NBA for uh, 18 seasons. Wow, which is amazing in and of itself. If you could talk a little bit about the things you learn on the court and in a team, and you happen to be a professional, obviously you've played at every level, but you're a professional basketball player with Olympic experience and medals. Yeah. What type of learnings do you bring off the court, not only to your family, but to your extended family in the community? Because I know we talk a lot about the difference between women and men getting to play sports at all at any level mm. is something that is not nearly as pervasive for women. So mm. talk a little bit about that, because I, I often think that many of the things you learn on a team are transferable to life in general. 100%. I learned so much through through sports. And that's why I have a foundation that I try to implement all the values and share all the values that I learned through my life in sports. And I try to do some speaking engagements also talking about the values that I've learned and the leadership and team dynamics. So there's so much that I've learned through sports. So many lessons. I feel like sports is such a huge educator. That's why I think it's so important for kids' development. That's why we, in our foundation, that we fight childhood obesity, we implement some of these values that I learned throughout my career and life. I also talk about it in speaking engagements and leadership programs that I do with companies or different events. And I try to share what I've learned as far as team dynamics and team values and, and, and leadership. What does that mean? What does that look like? And share some, some of the stories that I've learned from coaches, from teammates, and, my, and myself. Maybe we should import you and take you up to Washington and have you help with the federal government because <laughs> they don't appear to understand that we're all on the same team. We're all Americans in this case. I'm going to reserve the right to come back and ask you to help us with that. Sure. I love because to me, sports bring people together. It doesn't matter right. where you're from. It doesn't matter what race you are or what language you speak or anything. It brings you together. In, and if you want to be successful, you got to work together right. uh, as a unit. You got to communicate. You got to respect each other. You got to hold each other accountable. You got to count on each other. You got to trust right. each other. There's so much there. You got to put in the work. You got to hustle together. It's, it's something that I think it's so transferable, as you said, and applicable in, in so many fields of life, whether it's personal or professional. And there's a beauty in that. I think with people that you don't think you have anything in common, you have something in common. You have right. so much in common. 
actually, not just playing a sport or doing a specific activity. There's so much more if you're willing to explore it, if you're willing to listen, if you're willing to engage. And, and that's why I've made so many relationships, friendships over the years through the world of sports. I love to continue to make them, whether it's through the NBA, through the European leagues, through the Olympic movement, through the W. I just, I'm just a huge believer in sports and what it does for the world. Yeah, I'm right there with you. There's only two international languages. It's music and sports, mm. to your point. It doesn't matter your ethnic background, what language you speak, how educated you are or aren't. I mm. find myself, particularly in basketball arenas, because basketball is my favorite sport, mm. high-fiving the people on either side of me. You don't know their name. You don't know where they live, but you're all celebrating the game, which is incredible. I want you to talk a little bit more about your foundation and fighting childhood obesity. I know you just had your baby mm -hmm. recently and right. she's your new treasure, mm -hmm. but you're helping all kids. So talk a little bit about that because we have so many challenges with that in every community across the globe, not just in the US, but everywhere. Sure. And t tell me how you chose childhood obesity and why. After about 10 years of being a Goodwill Ambassador for UNICEF, I wanted to create something more. So our foundation, after taking many trips to Africa as a Goodwill Ambassador for UNICEF, I started in 2005, I went to South Africa. 2007, I went to Angola. Wow. Um, 2010, I went to Chad. 2013, I went to Ethiopia. So I went to, after all those trips, I'm like... And I'm being part of different projects and suggesting different projects with UNICEF. There's such a huge organization. They had some restrictions because they had certain protocols and policies that they had to respect. In order to have more autonomy and freedom and independence as far as what I wanted to support, it's like I have to do that outside of UNICEF. As I continued my roles as an ambassador and a couple of years back, they named me global champion for nutrition and zero childhood obesity. Oh, wow. Yeah, which I'm proud of. And, and our work with UNICEF continues to evolve and grow. It's, I was like, okay, what is the biggest threat right now to children worldwide? And I started to listen. Children today, for the first time in history, will live shorter than their parents. Whoa, what is that about? And then it's, it was all about habits. It was about the environment. What are they exposed to that for the first time in history, the newest generation will live shorter, have a shorter life expectancy than their parents. And it's nutrition. It's what they eat. It's what they do. And uh, what they don't do. What they don't do. The lack of right. uh, physical exercise, movement, health overall. And then we started looking, okay, what are, what are the effects? What is the leading cause of death in humanity right now? It was cardiovascular related diseases. Sure. You know, and that more, a lot of those come from unhealthy lifestyles and obese people that lead to cardiac attack and, and all those deaths that, that could be prevented. And so again, that's where we, that's how it started after wow. in 2012 and 2013, we, we launched it in LA 2014. We, we founded it in Spain. And we started creating alliances, getting to, to know more and more of the situation of children, not just in the U.S., not just in Spain, but worldwide. Yeah. We see the effect of childhood obesity and the increase in the growth of it, which it was alarming. It was like, okay, we're in the right fight. We need to continue to stay in this fight. 
for as long as we can. And our work has grown and we work with so many families and we work with different organizations and it's been an incredible run. And we look forward to continue to grow and help many more children that live in very difficult environments that they don't have the same opportunities, same access that other children do to mm -hmm. healthy foods or to safe environments, to move, to play and so forth to provide them with knowledge to them and their families. It's very important for us to involve the parents because of that influence that we talked about earlier, right? Right. And at the end of the day, as a child, you look up to your parents. And what you see them do, you're going to do and think that's the right thing to do. So to educate the parents, it's also important for us as well. Uh, and again, this is what we've been trying to do, but based on and goes back to what we have applied and what has worked for us. Because Mark is also part of the foundation, my family's involved. My parents come to events and they actually participate in events with parents from other families and talk about so they can relate and they can connect with the parents. Say, hey, how did you raise this guy? <laughs> uh, what did you do? Tell us about sleep routines. Tell us about nutrition. Tell us about exposing them to, to sports and music and the, the effect. Why did you do that? The discipline, even that you applied at times. So all those things are, are important to share and that's why we created the Gasol Foundation and, and we're very proud of it. And we look forward to continue to grow and help many more families. Listen, you should be proud of it. I am so excited as I think about mom and dad being your first coaches, mm -hmm. right? They were right. teaching you the system as we mm -hmm. talk about in basketball mm -hmm. and in sports, mm -hmm. but you followed that system and you've been so incredibly successful, but you've taken that success and the exposure and experience that you had through UNICEF. And frankly, I didn't know you had been a global ambassador. So kudos to you for having done that, but equally, if not more important to do the research and understand cardiovascular disease was killing people and looking at what was happening with kids specifically yeah. and how you could target that issue is really quite amazing. So thank you for doing that. And let's come back to your own baby. So you've had all this experience with yourself and growing up and your brothers and kids around the world. How are you in love? Or I should say, how much are you in love with like your baby before. girl? Like never before. It's, it's a love that it's just uncomparable, right? It's something that's so special, so unique that I'm just uh, overjoyed at, the, at this point. And it's been just it's such a difficult year with so much uncertainty. She has brought so much into our lives and has put everything else in perspective and has made us feel so, so lucky. I feel at the end of the day, children provide you or anyone with a much higher sense of meaning in life, right? This is what it's about. This, this is legacy. This is what right. you, we're here for a short time. Now, what can we do in this world that will provide the most impact in a positive way? And the main one probably is having children of your own, because that's what you leave behind. You try to increase that impact. I've been trying to do that as much as I can throughout my life. And I've been super fortunate and privileged to have a platform and means to do that. But now it's when it comes down to it, nothing like having your own child. It takes it to a whole nother level, right? To your point, it's version 2.0 because it's you, but it's a 
newer, hopefully even better version Mm -hmm. of you. So congratulations on the birth of your daughter. I know I'm always teasing you saying, pal, you guys got to make some more. She's got to have a sibling, but you are in effect putting your money and your time, your talent, your treasure, pouring it all into her. But I just have to thank you for the time that you've spent with me sharing all of these insights. But I have to ask you one last question. Tell me about a time in your life, you've done so much, where you perhaps had one perspective and you went through something amazing or something tragic, and it brought you out on the other side with a different perspective. Can you tell me about a time like that? There's been different, really different times in my life. If I go back when I was a kid, I remember when Magic shared with the world that he tested a positive for HIV. And that was, that rocked me as a kid that was dreaming about becoming a basketball player and one of your, one of the main figures at that time, which as a kid with a pretty new virus that was pretty severe at the time, HIV being positive equal to an early death. So that was something, and that's why my parents being in the medical field besides playing basketball, my mom being a doctor, my dad being a nurse, I wanted to be a doctor because I wanted to cure HIV. I wanted to cure cancer. I wanted to make a difference in the world. So I ended up doing it one year of med school uh, right after high school as I was trying to get become a professional basketball player. So that was a moment that kind of shifted my, my world a little bit, but also inspired me it's like, how I want to change the world. I want to help people be healthy. And I'm doing it through the foundation. And then throughout my career, I've had so many partnerships and relationships with every pretty much, not every, but a pediatric hospital in every city that I played in. And oh, wow. St. Jude in Memphis. Mark and I were ambassadors for Hoops for St. Jude for many years. I would spend a lot of time there. In, different, in every city that I went, Children's Hospital in LA, I was a spokesperson for them. And I visit the hospital every time or as much as I could. And I made so many incredible interactions. And the other one that I was going to mention was, I remember a time after we had that run, that three-year run that we made it to the finals. 2011, we got swept by Dallas in the conference semis. It was a hard time. I wasn't in the best place myself emotionally, but at the same time, I went a week after losing, I went to the hospital and I had witnessed a surgery throughout the season uh, of a girl that had a scoliosis. And I have a friend now that is a longtime friend who's one of the top spinal surgeons in the country for children. And he I used to go and witness spine, spinal surgeries. And I saw that girl... I went to visit the hospital. The NBA gave me the award. I think it was the Walter Kennedy Award or Citizen Award for, for my work that I did in the community and off the court. And I saw the, that, those smiles of those kids. And, and I saw her that, that day in Bob Lanier. Came that day to the... No, no, it was Bob Lanier. He was sorry. And he gave me the award and said, hey, I just want to tell you, this is real great. And you can tell that this is authentic. You have a real relationship and presence here. And I gave an interview after and said, hey, this is regardless of basketball. And sometimes you achieve it and you win and you're successful. Sometimes you fall short or you get beat. But this is the essence. This is what's important in life. So it gave me perspective. 
And it's like, why am I so worried and, and, and affected? Which I'm a competitor. I'm an athlete. I'm a competitor. I'm a winner. It hurts to lose and you fall short. And that's why you put in the work and you do whatever it takes to get back on top. But also it's good to keep things in perspective and to be kind to yourself and to say, hey, I'm also doing some greatness, some great stuff off the court and having some great impact in people's lives. So we provide you with balance. I think that's what I've been able to do throughout my career, my life overall, is to try to find things that balance me, that provide meaning beyond just being a basketball player. So you're not completely attached to your success or defeats. You have to have a base, you know, whether it's family, whether it's relationships and friendships, whether it's a purpose bigger and beyond, whether it's another career that you're working on parallel to your craft in basketball. So again, that was a big moment for me because it was a hard defeat in 2011 and hard to swallow at a time where I was not my best. And to have that experience put things in perspective and lift me up. You know what they say, anytime you go through adversity and you overwhelm it, you overcome it, that you are stronger for it on the other side. And particularly since you dreamt of playing professional basketball, whether it was the posters on your wall as a little kid or watching the 92 Olympic team and getting the opportunity to play in the NBA for so many seasons and feeling like that was the most successful thing and to come around and see through your experience with whether it's UNICEF or your own foundation or the work that you did as a spokesperson to really find the balance mm. and the priorities and the perspective that is an enlightened view of your life and where you're successful and where most importantly that you've delivered so much impact. Let me thank you for your time. I am just so honored to call you my friend my and course. to have spent this time together talking about all the amazing things that have happened in your life. Thank you, Lisa. I look forward to continue to develop our friendship and relationship. You are someone dear to me that I admire and that I love. And so thank you for having me and having this conversation. My pleasure. All right, everyone. That was this week's episode of Enlightened. I hope you learned something new and feel inspired to meet any challenge you may be facing in life. If you enjoy the energy we're creating here, subscribe wherever you're listening. Leave a five-star review, share it with a friend, and join the Enlightened community for bonus episodes and deeper discussions at lisaborders.us. Thanks for joining me, and I'll see you next week.